Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 10 of the UK's first Freedom of Information podcast. My name is Ibrahim Hassan. In November and December 2007, the Information Commissioner published 45 decisions, whilst the Information Tribunal published 14. I'm here to guide you through some of these. In this episode, amongst other things, we will be discussing a tribunal decision on vexatious requests, whether the time taken to redact exempt information is an allowable cost, when advice to ministers should be disclosed, blue sky thinking and the Section 36 exemption, disclosure of information contained in a dead person's social work records, and legal advice about sadomasochism and the Section 42 exemption. There is now a body of case law as well as a recently revised Commissioner Guidance Note about when a request can be treated as vexatious under Section 14. On the 18th of December 2007, we had one of the few Information Tribunal decisions on this issue. In Mr Hossack and the Information Commissioner and the Department for Work and Pensions, a member of staff from Job Centre Plus, in the course of an inquiry from a solicitor, disclosed that the complainant was receiving benefits. That disclosure was unauthorised and clearly a breach of the Data Protection Act. The department investigated the breach, apologised and paid compensation. Despite this, the complainant has been campaigning about that breach ever since. He's even towed a trailer with posters advertising his allegations around the town. Over the years, the complainant has made many requests for information to the department. One request, quoting Freedom of Information, asked about two enquiries into the original breach. That request was refused on the grounds that it was vexatious. The tribunal agreed with the commissioner and the department. It found the previous decision of the tribunal involving London Metropolitan University quite helpful. In that decision, the tribunal considered a number of factors in deciding that the request was vexatious. Several of these factors were held to be present in the current case. The tribunal ruled that the complainant already had the substance of the two reports and has debated their detailed content with the department. His request was expressed neutrally, but the language of many of his past communications has been threatening and abusive. The tribunal felt that his purpose has been to harangue the department and its employees not to seek information he did not already possess. Finally, it concluded that the complainant endlessly wished to debate the circumstances of the original disclosure, each time magnifying its importance and effects. The Freedom of Information Fees regulations mean that when a public authority wishes to refuse a request on grounds that to comply with it would be over the appropriate limit, it can only take account of the costs of doing four things calculated at a rate of £25 per hour. Those four things are determining whether it holds the information, locating the information, retrieving it and extracting the information from a document containing it. In a tribunal decision involving Mr Jenkins and the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, the question before the tribunal was whether extracting the information includes the time it takes for the public authority to redact the exempt information from a document before disclosure of the rest. The tribunal agreed with the commissioner that such an act of deletion was not extraction within the meaning of the fees regulations, and so was not an allowable cost for the purposes of calculating whether the appropriate limit has been reached. Section 23 of the Act contains an exemption for information supplied by or relating to bodies dealing with security matters, and Section 24 for national security. 
Often in sensitive cases, a public authority will want to make use of its right to even refuse to confirm or deny the existence of the information in order to avoid inferences from being drawn, correct or otherwise. In a decision involving the Foreign and Commonwealth Office dated the 19th of November 2007, the complainant asked the FCO whether it held information about supplies and or stockpiles of anthrax held abroad. The FCO refused to confirm or deny that it held such information, citing the exemptions in section 23.5 and 24.2 of the Act. The Commissioner upheld this decision, and as regards section 24.2, he felt that the public interest in maintaining the exclusion of the duty to confirm or deny outweighed the public interest in disclosing whether the FCO held the information. Clearly, this information, if it existed, would come from the security services, and to confirm or deny its existence would allow inferences to be drawn which may jeopardise national security. The Section 31 exemption is often used by public authorities who wish to withhold information where disclosure would prejudice law enforcement. However, it is much wider and covers disclosures which would or would be likely to prejudice the assessment or collection of tax, Section 31.1d. In a decision involving Her Majesty's Revenues and Customs, dated the 19th of November 2007, the complainant requested copies of HMRC's internal guidance on the issuing of determinations to taxpayers who had failed to submit a self-assessment tax return. HMRC refused to provide this to the complainant because it considered it to be exempt from disclosure on the basis of Section 311D. It explained that it believed that disclosure of the requested information could assist dishonest individuals in adjusting the information they supplied to HMRC. It also believed that there is a strong public interest in having stable and secure public finances. The Commissioner agreed with this approach. When it comes to information about policy formulation, central government has a whole exemption for its exclusive use. In a tribunal decision involving Her Majesty's Treasury and the Information Commissioner dated the 7th of November 2007, the question before the tribunal was whether the Treasury should disclose information consisting of the content of certain budget submissions made to the Chancellor in the lead-up to the 1999 budget. The Treasury relied on the exemption contained in Section 351A, which exempts information held by a government department if it relates to the formulation or development of government policy. The Commissioner and the Tribunal ruled that the exemption applies, but, in all the circumstances of the case, the public interest in maintaining the exemption is outweighed by the public interest in disclosing the information. They both gave weight to the need for openness and transparency in the public decision-making process on an issue of public importance. Concerning the same exemption, football fans will be interested in a recent decision of the Information Commissioner involving the Department of Culture, Media and Sport, dated the 3rd of December 2007. The Commissioner ruled that the Department must release documents relating to the takeover of Manchester United by Malcolm Glazier's company. The ruling followed a complaint to the Commissioner by a member of the public who wrote to the Department requesting copies of all documents, minutes and emails relating to the takeover. The Department stated that to disclose the documents would compromise the ongoing formulation of government policy around the issue of competition in football club takeovers and the documents contained information relating to advice given by government officials. It argued that release of such advice could result in future recommendations given by civil servants being less candid. 
The Information Commissioner took the view that the timing of the request was important. It was made after the policy formulation and development process had effectively ended. In addition, he noted that the disclosure of advice given by government officials in this case would not inhibit them from giving frank advice in the future. Weighing up the arguments, the Commissioner found that the public interest favoured disclosure of the information. Is blue sky thinking exempt from freedom of information? What is blue sky thinking? In a decision involving Gloucestershire County Council, dated the 19th of November 2007, the complainants asked the council for the information it had compiled on options for saving £10 million from its adult services budget. The council relied on section 36.2b to refuse the request. It considered that disclosure of the information would or would be likely to inhibit the free and frank exchange of views for the purposes of deliberation. The view of the council's qualified person was that the withheld information represented blue-sky thinking. Because the savings options that had been suggested heralded the possibility of cuts across a range of local services, each proposal had the potential to upset different sections of the community. Staff who formulate such options need space to do so without the inhibitions that would ensue if this was carried out in the public domain. Council members also need the ability to evaluate the options without the pressure of speculation arising from premature public disclosure. The Commissioner agreed with this approach. With regard to the public interest, the Commissioner considered that the requested information was still at the work-in-progress stage and that any premature publication would incur a more negative than positive effect. He concluded that the public interest in withholding the information outweighed the public interest in disclosing it. Last time we discussed the first Information Tribunal decision on access to deceased persons' medical records. Until now, though, we were still waiting for the first Commissioner decision on access to the deceased social work records. In a decision involving Trafford Metropolitan Borough Council, dated the 27th of November 2007, the complainant asked to see information about her deceased mother, which was contained in the mother's social work records. The council refused to disclose the information, claiming a number of exemptions. The commissioner ruled that in respect of the information about and which identifies the deceased primary carer, the council was correct to claim the Section 40 exemption for personal data. The information requested included references to the primary carer's personal circumstances, health and financial arrangements. The sensitive nature of the information and the fact that the carer has objected to the release of similar information held by another authority meant that the disclosure of personal data about the primary carer without her consent would be unfair. Most of the rest of the information was about the deceased. The Commissioner considered that the exemption at Section 41 could be claimed. This applies where a disclosure of confidential information obtained from another party would lead to an actionable breach of confidence. Clearly this information was obtained from another party, but was it confidential? The Council explained that individuals entering into social care arrangements have the expectation that the information they provide will only be used in connection with the provision of that care and will not otherwise be disclosed to parties without their consent. The Commissioner accepted that this expectation of confidence is the cornerstone of the Council's relationship with its clients and is vital for successful service provision. He also accepted that the threat of onward disclosure of such information could inhibit the relationship between the council and its clients in that clients would be less willing to disclose information in the future. 
On the other elements of the Section 41 exemption, the Commissioner relied on the tribunal decision in Bluck and Epsom and St. Helier NHS Trust to rule that the duty of confidence survived the death of the deceased and disclosure of the information would be an actionable breach of confidence. He ruled that the personal representative of the deceased, in this case the primary carer, had a theoretical right at least to sue the council. This decision will be welcome clarification for social services staff who are often required to deal with complicated requests for social services records which involve assessing the privacy of the living as well as the dead. However, there is one flaw in the decision. In deciding whether an actionable breach of confidence exists, the Commissioner's own guidance, as well as previous decisions, state that the public authority must consider whether the public interest defence would apply. In other words, whether the disclosure would be justified on public interest grounds. Here the Commissioner doesn't seem to have done this in his decision. Whilst it may have come to the same conclusion, it's still a flaw in the decision-making process. I've written to the Commissioner pointing this out. If you wish to know more about access to information about the deceased, there is a full article on my website which was recently published in World Data Protection Report. On the Section 40 exemption, on the 21st of December 2007, the Information Tribunal overturned the decision of the Information Commissioner requiring Camden Council to disclose certain information about some individuals on its ASBO database. I hope to cover this decision in detail in the next podcast. The Section 42 exemption is often relied upon by public authorities when refusing to disclose legal advice, but it is much wider than that. Section 42.2 states that the duty to confirm or deny does not arise if it would involve the disclosure of any information which in itself attracts privilege. In a decision involving the Ministry of Justice, dated the 5th of December 2007, the complainant requested a copy of any legal advice which confirms that the possession of images of consensual sadomasochistic violent sex can successfully be prosecuted and that Article 8 of the European Convention on Human Rights does not apply. The background to the request was a consultation exercise on proposed legislation making possession of such images illegal. The public authority refused to confirm or deny that any such legal advice was held applying Section 42.2. The Commissioner agreed. He noted that legal privilege does not, in usual circumstances, attach to the fact that legal advice has been sought. Here, though, he noted that the phrasing of the request was for any legal advice which confirms. The Commissioner found that the confirming or denying that legal advice is held in the circumstances of this case does in itself attract privilege, as to do so would reveal the basic contents of the advice if held. The Commissioner considered the arguments put forward by the public authority and felt that those reasons demonstrated a strong public interest argument for maintaining the exemption. He also noted that the proposed legislation had undergone a public consultation and the responses had been published. That concludes this month's podcast. Don't forget all these decisions will be discussed in detail in my forthcoming Freedom of Information Update Workshop. More details at www.actnow.org.uk This podcast was brought to you by me, Ibrahim Hassan. I specialise in all aspects of information rights law, particularly freedom of information, data protection and surveillance law. My clients include local authorities, the NHS and government departments. If you would like specific advice or training on any of your information law issues, please don't hesitate to contact me. 
Please continue to let me have your feedback. The scripts for all previous podcasts with clickable links are available on my website, which is www.informationlaw.org.uk. Until the next time, goodbye.